Hello there. A quick word if you don't mind. We hope you're enjoying this completely free serialized audiobook by Derek Power. In these challenging times, the world needs a strong dose of Irish mythology and fairy magic. If you could, please take a moment to rate the podcast and subscribe. That would just be lovely. Stay safe out there, everybody. And remember, it's easy right now to be a superhero. All you need to do is wear a mask. Filthy Henry, the Fairy Detective, Chapter 11. Kick him again. Make sure he's awake. Pain exploded through every part of Filthy Henry's body, doing a little tap dance number along his nervous system. There was a rumble in his stomach that had nothing to do with hunger and everything to do with trying to disperse the pain quickly. He curled up into the fetal position and tried to breathe. The last few minutes had been a crazy blur of activity, similar to an unwanted acid trip. Sleep had been rudely turned into waking, as he had been dragged out of bed and down the hall into the front room by hands unseen, without any time to at least get a pair of pants on. Go get him a glass of water or something. Something bland. Footsteps walked away, heading off in the direction of the kitchen at the back of the apartment. There was a faint smell of magic in the air as a spell was cast. Sit up, half-breed, Leprechaun said. You know I'm not one of those leprechauns that has to look down on people who are vertically advantageous to me. Hans grabbed Filthy Henry by his shoulders and pushed him up so that he was sitting on the floor. You know, most people just drop over with breakfast, Filthy Henry said, looking about. A cup of coffee and an apple danish would be my first choice. Well, most people do what they're told without me needing to chase them up about it, Leprechaun said. Why haven't you found my mother croc yet? You realise the gravity of the situation here? Leprechaun was standing just inside the doorway to the room leaning on his golden cane. Beside Filthy Henry stood a leprechaun, one of the Rainbow Guard judging by his bright blue uniform. Another of the little people, this time wearing a yellow outfit, came back into the room and handed a glass of water to Filthy Henry. The fairy detective could see leprechaun was taking no chances here. There was absolutely no magical recharging energies in the glass of water unless it had been conjured from magic. The Leprechaun King was clearly hoping that Filthy Henry had very little magical reserves. Not that Filthy Henry had a plan of action. He was not in mortal peril. Aside from getting a few bruised ribs, possibly. And even if he had had a plan, there were three full-fledged Leprechauns in his apartment. Any spells he would use against them would be a distraction at best. Unless he cast one really big one and then raced into the kitchen to eat the entire contents of his fridge. Contents which, he was pretty sure, consisted of an out-of-date loaf of bread and a mouldy pepper. Ah, what do you want from me? Filthy Henry asked as he took a small sip of water, pondering the possibilities. You hired me yesterday to find your magical pot and expect me to have what exactly? Have it before tea time? Leprechaun looked at the fairy detective and waved a hand nonchalantly in the air. Well, yes, he said. Filthy Henry rolled his eyes. It was the typical rich client attitude to a case. He had seen it a hundred times in the past. 
Why was it not possible to solve things sooner? How much time could it really take to get rid of a puka infestation? What do you mean the priceless heirloom has left the country? You have to track it down. Could you not just use a smartphone app to help you with that? For some reason, the fairy detective found it refreshing to see that even leprechauns could behave like moronic wealthy humans. I have exactly one clue to work with, and you expected me to find your mother croc in a day. Surely that's the height of stupidity. You do realise these things take time. The blue-uniformed rainbow guard kicked Filthy Henry in the side, hard. There's no need for heightest remarks like that, half-breed, he said. I don't think it was a heightest remark, Cyril, Leprechaun said, but the kick was appreciated. He turned his attention back to Filthy Henry. So, do I get a report at least? The fairy detective rubbed at his side to ease the pain. He glared up at Leprechaun, who was creating another of those fancy leather chairs to sit on, making himself right at home. I'm sitting here in my underwear at half six in the morning. Do you really want me to answer that? Another kick landed firmly against his body, smashing into the same spot as before. It's seven, you filthy detective, the blue rainbow guard said. Actually, it is half six, Cyril. I thought we'd sent you to go to learn how to tell time recently, Leprechaun said. Well, look, this has been lovely, Filthy Henry said, pushing himself up from the floor. A hand was placed on either shoulder, forcing him back down. Manners, it would seem, were another thing that Cyril had to go on a course to learn. Look, I'm working on it, Leprechaun, Filthy Henry said through gritted teeth. I can't work miracles, you know. It will take a bit of time to track it down. Besides, how the hell did you get in here? It's magically sealed against everything except me. Took me a week to cast that spell. I had a migraine for a fortnight after. Leprechaun chuckled, wiping an imaginary tear away from his eye. Please, half-breed. Your spell was okay. Very good, in fact, considering what you had to work with. But what sort of loan shark would I be if I couldn't get into the home of people that owe me money? How else can legs get broken? Once you make a deal with me, your magic isn't worth squat until you pay me back in full. Filthy Henry sighed. Meaning the sooner I get your bloody mother croc back, the better for my legs. Leprechaun grinned and hopped down from his magically made leather chair. See, you're not as stupid as we all think. Just wrap this up by Friday. I'm growing impatient if you haven't guessed. I want names, Filthy. Many names. Or you and me will have another conversation similar to this one. Only with more of my men along for the fun. Not that I'd need them, of course. The room gained a very psychedelic colour scheme as all three leprechauns used their magic to teleport away. Rainbows of colour covered everything, swirling like oil on water. It was a trippy thing to watch, even with knowledge of magic and how it worked. Filthy Henry closed his eyes, seeing the ghost image on his eyelids. After a few seconds the colours intensified, then vanished completely. The fairy detective opened his eyes and looked around at the now empty room. Empty save for the newly conjured red leather chair that Leprechaun had left behind. Showing off with magic was just to show off. A horrible trait to have. A trait that Filthy Henry was envious of, and if everything went according to plan, a trait he would soon have himself. He pushed himself up from the floor and walked down the hall back to his bedroom. The bedroom looked like the training ground for a terrorist organisation. The floor was home to every item of clothing Filthy Henry owned in varying states of cleanliness. 
There was a leaning tower of dirty dishes at the foot of his bed. The bed itself was only partially made, mainly because he fell asleep on top of it and was too lazy to crawl under the blankets. It was the typical bachelor's bedroom. After rummaging around for five minutes to find a clean suit, socks and underwear, the fairy detectives started getting dressed. Working on a case was never a straightforward thing. They always differed from each other, even on the surface, if they looked to be the exact same. Almost like each case was a fingerprint, unique in some small, subtle way to other cases. While one red man might be happy to have a plate of freshly washed clothes left out every night to keep the peace, another might not like that bargain one bit. Leprechaun's lack of understanding of this basic concept had just ruined Filthy Henry's day. In order to get the thing solved by Friday, the fairy detective would have to ignore all the other cases, meaning Downey's drained bodies would have to wait until next week before getting properly looked into. Not that they were likely to rehumidify in the meantime. That was one of the nice things about working cases that involved dead things. Unless it was a stoker, the dead tended to stay in one place, much like the late Kitty Purry. As he put on his tie, Filthy Henry thought about Shelley. It was probably the wiser course of action just to tell her that he had found the caught sea and be done with it. There was no reason he had to try and be nice about the case. They weren't friends. No feelings could be hurt. But somewhere deep down, Filthy Henry felt like he had to spare her feelings somehow, even if he wasn't sure why. Bunty Dooley had once told him that if there was an emotional Olympics, Henry would have brought home lead. This was why private detectives worked alone. He was sure of it. Partners only served to muddle things up, especially pretty ones. Either that or they turned out to be some sort of femme fatale that the detective should have stayed away from from the moment they first met. Right now, Shelley was muddling things up for him. He had never cared about a client's feelings before. Why should she be any different? Feeling refreshed and slightly recovered, Filthy Henry went out to the hallway picked up his keys from the table by the front door and left in search of an early breakfast. St. Ochre's reaction to being back on the bestseller list was still puzzling Shelley. One would have thought that getting back onto a list when you had not written anything in decades, not to mention you were presumed dead, would have been considered a good thing. Yet the vampire author had seemed unhappy about it somehow. It was all just a little strange. Since she had no commissions that needed finishing any time soon, a handy job perk of being a self-employed artist, Shelley had decided to go and see if Filthy Henry had any leads on Kitty Purry. Truth be told, it was all very exciting, like being in an old private detective movie. Less the cloak and dagger, more pixies and magic. But still, beggars could not be choosers. Besides, despite his appalling attitude problem and complete lack of manners, there was something about the fairy detective that Shelley found attractive, much to her annoyance. The first man that had talked to her for more than ten minutes in years, and he turned out to be a magical prat. Even still, as she stood outside the door to his building, Shelley could not deny that she was looking forward to seeing him. She also figured it might be worth mentioning the strange reaction from St. Ochre. Well, you're up early, Filthy Henry said. Shelley looked left and saw the fairy detective walking down the street with a tray holding two coffees and carrying a small white bag in his hand. Oh, uh, hi, Shelley said, caught a little unawares. I was just, you know, passing by. He looked at her, 
arching an eyebrow. At half nine in the morning, you just happened to be passing by my office on Middle Abbey Street, despite not living in this neck of the woods at all? Really? She was no good at lying. It was definitely not her niche market. Under the cool gaze of Filthy Henry, her mind went completely blank. If he had smiled right there and then, Shelley reckoned her knees would have started shaking. But for the life of her, she could not figure out exactly what it was about the smug git that she found so appealing. Filthy Henry walked past her and up the steps to the front door, unlocking it and going inside, leaving the door open behind him but not saying a word. Shelley ignored his rudeness, closed the door behind her and climbed up the rickety staircase. By the time she reached the first floor, the fairy detective had already gone into his office and was seated behind his desk. He took two pastries out from the white bag and placed them down on a sheet of paper, the bachelor's version of a clean plate. He looked up at Shelley as she walked into the room and begrudgingly offered her one of the two coffee cups. There's uh, milk and sugar already in it, he said as she took the cup from him and sat down in the big red leather armchair. Thanks, Shelley said. I saw St. Ochre again yesterday, outside the bookstore. Filthy Henry chuckled, munching on a mouthful of pastry. That guy, he said, spraying pastry crumbs everywhere. Gets the gift of immortality and what does he do with it, huh? Was he always a, um, you know, um, vampire? Shelley asked, taking a sip of her coffee. There were more than two sugars in it, that was for sure. She could feel her teeth rotting just from the small sip she had taken. Shelley placed the cup down on the floor by her feet, hoping it was far enough away to stop the sugary damage reaching her mouth. Vampire? Filthy Henry asked. No, he was turned like any human. It's possible, just like the stories tell you. The stokers in Ireland changed him as a thank you for writing Dracula. See, he came up with the idea for the story without knowing there were fairies all around him. When it was published, the stokers liked how he had not made them into moody vampires that run around in sunny fields with diamonds sparkling all over them. He kept in the blood and guts and threw out all that romantic stuff. Even though I guess you could say there is a romantic side to the tale, I suppose. They wanted to thank him by making him a vampire. Calling them stokers sort of happened as a result. But just look at how he spends his time. Hilarious. I'm missing something here, aren't I? Shelley said. Filthy Henry finished off the first pastry, washing it down with some of his coffee. He tilted back on his chair and planted his feet up on the desk. Well, he has this goal. A dream, if you will. He wants to see Dracula as the top-selling book of all time. So he spends his eternal rest of the undead, buying copy after copy of it, trying to bump it up the list. Most of the books he ends up donating to libraries and schools, since he can't store them indefinitely. But he doesn't make any money off it now, since nobody's going to believe he's still alive and kicking. It all goes to an estate under his name, but one that he has no control over. Plus, he had to change his name, since Bram Stoker is one of those ones that sticks out in your mind when you hear it. He didn't change it all that much, Shelley pointed out. Well, nobody said he was 100% original. Well, that doesn't really explain why he was so annoyed with the book rankings when they got posted up in the store, Shelley said. If anything, I'd have thought he would be pleased to be back on the list. Filthy Henry looked at her, coffee cup halfway to his mouth. What, uh, book rankings? Not a million miles away, the former employer of Jim, or mastermind as he had started to think of himself, had gathered up as many of his trusted supporters as he could find. They had been told to bring friends and family, to make a night of it, 
fun for all involved. There were so many of them packed into the room that by all logical reasoning the walls should have started to bulge and tear under the pressure. My fellow stokers, he said, the crowd growing silent as he spoke. It would appear that our best efforts are not good enough. To use a deplorable cliché, I need you now to give me 110%. At the back a hand was raised, the questioner's face hidden from sight. If you were going to ask me how can you give me something that is mathematically impossible, be fair warned, I have enough holy water and wooden stakes to make each and every stoker in this room nothing more than moist ash on the floor. The hand vanished from sight. It did not go back down. One second it was in the air, the next it was not. All without the intervening step of moving. A slight disturbance in the crowd indicated that the questioner was relocating, just to be on the safe side. The mastermind did not smile. Under any other circumstances, it would have been a smiling matter, but his great plan was not working. Short of turning the entire population of Dublin into stokers, and enlisting them to work for him, there was very little he could do. He reached down and picked up a school bag from a pile of bags, holding it above his head. In here you will find 30 tubes of sunscreen, factor 60. It's the sort that the Irish people love to use, because let's face it, they're only one evolutionary step away from being vampires themselves. You will use this to walk around during daylight hours and continue with the plan. Each school bag has more funds than you were given before. These are to be used to speed up the purchasing process. I know that time is on our side, but I'm bloody sick and tired of waiting for Infinity to get here. He tossed the bag towards the nearest stoker. Make me proud, he said. Don't forget, there is a me in team, and you really don't want to disappoint me. Filthy Henry, The Fairy Detective, is a novel by Derek Power. Other Filthy Henry novels are currently available to buy on Amazon Kindle. This audiobook version was narrated by Niall Milton.